Hello, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of Something in the Crumbs. We're so excited for our current episode, and we're so excited just to know that we apparently have various listeners, especially, you know, women listeners all over the U.S. and Asia. So hello. Hi to you. We're excited that you're interested in K-drama and critiques of capitalism. So we appreciate you. We know it is a very niche demographic. (laughs) We're so grateful you exist. Um, We thought that we would begin by, oh, um, we, I also, I know that there's a few of you who are listening, who um, are listening because you're related to us <laughs> and or really good friends of ours and we received <laughs> some feedback. Um, and we thought that we would just maybe explain how we decide on the shows that we're going to watch and talk about. Um, so the first thing that I can say is that when I'm watching something, I look for, I only watch real, really things that, um, are non-white, <laughs> at yes. least like the character, the cast is non-white or, uh, and where there's a lot of interiority from women. Yes. Um, we particularly love the K-drama or Asian dramas because there are no white people to be found. <laughs> However, as you will see, as we continue on, you know, we will uh, talk about other shows that we watch, but there are, you know, particular rules that we have about them as well. Um, strong female leads, very important. Um we do like a type of competency <laughs> from our characters. We, we, um, the, she can't just be, if you, as in like, we've heard people recommend a few things to us and there are, there's a genre of K-dramas where the lead character, the lead female character is like, she's like bumbling and does kind of useless, kind of useless, can't get anything right. And we're supposed to feel sorry for her that she can't get anything right. But not interested, like, not interested, not interested, not because I don't believe that this person is real, but because I think that 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 this character is constructed. Perhaps we think that this character is constructed as a way to avoid addressing any interiority of hers and making her actually even making her into the pathetic person who needs to be saved. And look, even when she is complex, she's fucking saved. So not interested in this like non-competent, bumbling, you know, flat character. We're just too high functioning (laughs) to watch these kinds of characters for entertainment, you know? (laughs) And we can't watch shows to just be triggered. Like <laughs> also true. Oh, oh, oh! I, how could I forget? We like shows where there's lots of non-white people. <laughs> there's a lot of interiority of women who are high functioning, and they have really great clothes. Also true. Yeah. It's very important. This is like a not our lives. So it's a complete fantasy, <laughs> right? So like, don't we're not asking for reality. We're asking for the fantasy. Um, so we, I never watch. I actually just don't watch the the shows that maybe become mega hits for that reason, like both in Korea but also in the U.S. usually because they tend to re- involve like I think I know there's a bunch of Korean dramas where um, I think Song Ye Kyo was in one where she's like a military nurse or something to do with the military we don't care about the military we don't generally care about that. no i like, mean crash landing on you was on the edge you know yeah. where it's kind of like i normally am pretty turned off by any military storyline exactly. it's pretty disgusting patriotism couldn't care less nationalism disgusting <laughs> you know but also all the torture and the killing not so crazy, right? 
Um, and the, the, the ethical dilemmas that are set up that this is like a really good guy, but you know, and then like the, 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 the sort of arrangement that's set up, it's just like not, not of interest, but also the military drama fused in with the most like the main crux of the problem being like this is a romance and somehow something about the romance like we don't care about that we don't care the romance is not the conflict or the fantasy of interest we're interested in her interiority and her fashion closet and we should point out that we had a conversation about how irrelevant ratings are in general they mean nothing. So that's why mega hits also have complete, like, um, no, like there's no basis for them for us. You know, it's like in this world, women vote for Trump, people eat at Subway, people watch Modern Family. What are ratings? I mean, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Look, at this point, Kim and I are thinking that we could write a whole thing on how if Modern Family is the is the show that everyone's watching and then this is the presidency that we end up with well maybe there's something more to be said you know maybe 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 us network television has some things to think about um just like we do really we want to eventually we have a series of talks that we've been preparing (laughs) we gave one last year um, called maintenance art versus racial capitalism. Um, it's a three-part talk, just to let you know. And the and the second or the third part will be on the show Friends and Steve <laughs> Bannon, and how like you can really learn a lot. We can we can learn a lot about the fact that this show that was so beloved and loved and I've never seen an episode. Kim, you you haven't seen an episode either, right? I've seen an episode. I've seen Friends. Okay. But not... Yeah. I don't know if I watched any of, like, later seasons. I watched it, like, when it came out and it was very popular. Um, but I didn't really... I'm not, like... It wasn't, like, when it came on Netflix, I was like, oh, thank God. What a great mm-hmm. opportunity to rewatch this one zero interest because we all know that that bannon was a producer of friends right that's how he made most of his money everyone just letting you know that the all-white class how he still makes a lot of money the all-white cast of friends and the sort of like ooh, like homely good good good-hearted humor of this show like maybe it doesn't come from such a wholesome place just just putting it out there yeah and they live in giant apartments yeah (laughs) and they barely have jobs (laughs) and this isn't to say that like there aren't a ton of i mean we only talk about the critiques i mean all, all the, this podcast is a critique of every single show that we've watched so you know <laughs> let it be understood that we believe that all of the all of the shows of all of maybe everything um yes there's and, and because criti- criticism is just part of what we care about so this isn't to say that we think crash landing or even the show that we're going to talk about today isn't critique is a form of love for us one of our love, love languages <laughs> a love language but we're just saying that like we this is this is our criteria so within this criteria if you think of something please let us know yes oh last thing before we get to did we did we even say the show we're going to talk about today um i think we mentioned it at the end of the last episode okay um but today we're going to be discussing a show from can't remember if it's 2010 or 2011 i think it's 2011 or maybe it's even later than that. I might have even gotten that wrong. Um, it's called My Love from Another Star. Um, or My oh. Love from the Star, depending on the translation that you come across. I think is the Korean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about a 400-year-old alien who uh, is very attractive has a very nice apartment and is a professor, which we will talk about (laughs) later. Um, And 
he uh, effectively is waiting for the time in which he can, there's some sort of asteroid comet situation in which he can return to his home planet. But in that time, um, in his last few months of being on Earth, he encounters uh, this very famous South Korean actress um, who's kind of like a hot mess, basically. Um, but she is, you know, sort of vapid and very self-involved, but incredibly successful um, and has been successful for a super long time. I think she became an actor as a child, I think, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, like in her early teens and has been famous since then. Um, and so the whole series goes through not only her development in terms of, you know, becoming a certain kind of character that is uh, less, you know, self-centered and self-involved, but is open, open to love, open to um, caring about another person. Um, And the alien also kind of mirrors this as well. He, in terms of being able to survive for 400 years, he never actually gets very close to anybody and kind of leads a very... um, Except... Except for his lawyer friend. Oh, oh yes. And also, <laughs> like, 200 years ago. Oh, 200 years ago, he... 200 years ago, he <laughs> um, saves this 15-year-old girl who had just been married and then became a widow immediately. And she is... I don't know. There's, like, a storm... Something crazy is happening. She's about to be like chucked off of a mountain or something. And then he's like, I got to save her. And so one of his superpowers is that he's able to stop time, but he's able to still move around in it and move shit around and stuff. So he goes and like basically plucks, plucks her out from falling off of this mountain. And then they have some sort of complicated dynamic uh in which he's a significantly older man that basically falls in love with her i mean by significantly older he's like 200 years old yeah like way old uh he has continuously thought about her for 200 years yes and the reason why he has this connection with this south korean actress is actually because when she was 15 um, looked very similar to this woman, and if not, is some sort of what we're led to believe is an ancestor of some yeah. kind of this. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say woman, even <laughs> this teen. <laughs> right. So, like, it's either that she's a potential reincarnation or yes. an ancestor. That's yes. a little bit open, and by little bit open, because the show is a little Christian. So, you know, we yes. don't want to give it like full credit for some other kind of you know, political deviation narrative. Um, yeah. Yeah. Continuing on our Christianity train. <laughs> uh, people are going to start to think that we only watch shows that have Christian overtones. I mean, something in the rain did not. Right? For the most part. No, yeah, I think for the most part it didn't, you know, because they, I don't feel as though they were like, um, yeah, it does, it didn't have the same kind of purity narrative. I will say though, just because I, I'm really interested in this and my, my poetry book was more or less about this. 100%. Uh, (laughs) We'll link to it in the description so that you can order it. (laughs) We will not link to it. But I think it's actually the thing about hegemonic narratives is that they are overarching. So even if you don't think that that's what you're doing, perhaps like that's what happens. I, I um, There was a professor who once said something like in a lecture, Wayne um, Yang said, you know, if you don't know the master narrative, it will f- come find you and you'll write it. So, like, maybe mm. I don't really even – I feel like it's kind of important to say that Crash Landing uh, in, was so Christian, mm-hmm. as we discussed in Episode 5, 
um, almost like mortifyingly capitalistic <laughs> and Christian. And then my love from a different star has the elements and maybe it's not even about the writer or the cast or the director's own religious position, but it's about the fact that like certain kinds of narratives around purity or about transformation or revelation is all sort of linked in this like overarching way across the globe under Christianity. And like, unless you're actively trying to do something else, you'll probably mm -hmm. pull elements from it. I mean, yeah, even like a savior, right. even like the savior narrative, you know, like it's all, of, all that's mm -hmm. all tied. So, yeah. So if you don't want to write something accidentally Christian, <laughs> kind of important to like, I mean, I would be so mortified, honestly. Would, wouldn't you be so mortified if like you spent your life writing something and then you, it's just a regurgitation of another Christian narrative? I would be like, oh. Why didn't I just spend more time shopping? Like, what is this? I mean, that's like all of Hollywood, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that all of Hollywood is just like everyone believing they're doing something new when really they're just like kind of plagiarizing in bad ways different biblical narratives or Christian morale tales or something. So. Which also goes back to why we hate so many military and war movies too. Exactly. No, no, thank you. Um, so a few things that we wanted to talk about in this, in the My Love from a Different Star, and this is like a different, this is an older one. Older, like 10 years seems like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, look, January seems like a long time ago right now. I know. So 10 we, years our ago. Our understanding of time is very wonky right now. <laughs> but we with the next few uh, shows, we wanted to sort of thought, think about, um, they're kind of alien themed, right? So we're gonna talk about, is it Roswell that's gonna be the next yes. two? Um, because there is a good onslaught of shows um, that revolve around aliens, which we think is a really good way to talk about immigration and race. Um, so to politicize them in a slightly different way, but also in the context of our previous episode, we thought the first thing we would bring up is that being a show from 10 years ago, we were both kind of floored by the level of product placement in this show, which is like almost non-existent. I think there's a mm -hmm. little, but it's like very subtle versus basically some of the shows now almost seem like ads like yes like in very explicit ways which you know as we understand of course like so much television so much u.s television is just a continuous ad um I'm looking at you top chef i mean it's like <laughs> there are a lot of shows you're like okay like you're gonna get into your ford focus and you got to use this special GPS to get to Whole Foods. And then we got to use Morton Salt. And it's just like one thing after another. And they do all these like camera pans. It drives me nuts. But you can definitely tell the kind of like um, a type of sophistication around product placement that starts to happen. And then it also like devolves in a way that's like so explicit. You know, so you have something that's like, say, they're just going for fried chicken, but they're going for fried chicken in the same place over and over. But then you end up in another show that I've been watching that we probably are not going to talk about on this on this podcast, where, you know, entire scenes are like just constructed around a beverage, you know, and that it's not even, it's not just like providing background or anything. Yeah. It is. And, you know, and it's just like, okay, well, 30 seconds of just like watching this, like, soda sit on this piano for some reason. There is a lot of phone stuff, too. Like, all the different phone apps. Yeah. That's a very common... That one actually does exist in this show. Um, I think it's Line that they advertise mm -hmm. a lot on this show. Uh, but for the most part, it's not as, like, hyper-explicit in your face, uh, which right. is actually kind of refreshing... Because you think about what 
we also become aesthetically like kind of normalized to in a certain kind of way where like what becomes legible in terms of the product placement like when it gets to be uh, a certain kind of language where you're like we don't even notice the nikes anymore we don't even notice the the domino's pizza and then then it's like they have to almost get more in your face for us to be like oh right domino's pizza right. you know right yeah i think like i there's a bunch of other shows that we won't talk about it on 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 the podcast that i've seen where like coffee like coffee place oh, yeah. product placement i think like there's a moment where it's just very simple like someone is picking up an instant coffee or like getting someone a cup of instant coffee and there there's a brand on it so that's clearly product placement to I, you know the last few shows that i watched last year there's like an in, there's there's a character and she's like talking about how to use like a special machine. <laughs> why? You know, like, do you do, is it Nespresso and why? Like, do we have to, do we have to talk about it? Like, where do you put the capsules? What do they mean? I mean, the fact that I even know this and the fact that my brain has this information is proof to me that I will never see anything but this horrible world that we live in i mean it, it's, yeah. it's, it's so much garbage in my in my brain right like um and and it is true that what you're saying that it's only when it gets that explicit that mm-hmm. am i am i noticing it versus here i noticed it at first only because you told me you reminded me that there wasn't as much of it so then i was like looking for it yeah, it's like it it's like it becomes um like more crude or like shameless or something, you mm-hmm. know, where you don't um I think that maybe like initial strategies around it were like to I don't want to say so much as like discreet, but sort of like as if, you know, we're trying to pretend like backdoor the fact that these are ads in a certain kind of way. And now it's like I mean, who are you kidding? You know, like, I'm just going to give you the instructional guide for Nespresso. And then you just think about, like, how, like, it was, like, two minutes of a show exactly. that just was dedicated to that. Like, that's actually a very expensive two minutes. Exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah. So the commercials don't even exist. They're just, like, a part of the shows. They're build, built in. So, yes. Um, which then brings us to, okay, so then the things we want to talk about for this show, um, which we've already outlined to a certain extent, as Kim has, but we thought we would first focus on how the show, being kind of under the overtones of the Christian propaganda machine, Mm -hmm. does focus on the virginity of the actress, but interestingly is an equal opportunist <laughs> in that the plot twist is that the alien is also probably a virgin. I mean, we never hear it outright, but he, I mean, yeah, deaf a virgin because he yeah. physically gets ill when his bodily fluids mix mixes with like, any other foreign bodily fluids. So it's a very, very contempo conversation right now. Uh, (laughs) Very timely, very, very Coco friendly. So as in they do kiss because they fall in love eventually. I mean, like takes a few episodes, but they fall in love eventually. And, you know, they, they hug a little and then they kiss and then he gets sick. For days. And then if the kiss is a little bit longer, he's sick for like forever, basically, like a week. And it's funny because he'll like transport her somewhere because he can do that. So we should listen to powers. <laughs> he he has powers of like teleportation yes. and stopping time. Yes. And what else, Kim? He can... He's really smart, apparently. He can fly. Yeah. Kind of, right? He doesn't, like, we don't see him, like, fly around necessarily, but he does, like, jump up in the air and is able to suspend himself in the air. And he has abnormally 
precise hearing. Yes. 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 So he's just basically like a human, but upgraded a lot, which is often how aliens have been imagined. So he'll like, you know, in these romantic... So limited, our imagination. <laughs> so unlimited. Like he looks like, he looks like one of us. He has all of our abilities. So, except they're a little bit better. Um, and he is like a, you know, he's just like um, a, another cog in the machine, apparently, <laughs> even as, a, as an alien. But, you know, just to kind of emphasize this point... So he'll take her, you know, after they fall in love, he'll like transport them somewhere beautiful and then like get so caught up in it, he'll kiss her and then immediately get sick. So, you know, he has enough power to transport them back. But that's about it. (laughs) But then like he can't use any of his powers because he's sick. And then he like the sickness is essentially, as Kim said, Coco friendly. It's like (laughs) COVID-19 because... It's just like the flu, but like worse, you know, like flu, like yeah, he gets like a fever, like a very yes. intense fever. And it's just hilarious because this means that I, that they're both going to be virgins forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true because she also, she's kind of as a virgin who's like comfortable with it, I guess. She's she, just like, well, I just need to know, like, you know, like how far can we go is kissing okay is something more okay or are we just like supposed to hold each other and she's kind of like i just need to know like i'm fine with basically just holding each other well because they do talk about how or she kind of confesses that she's never had she's basically never even had a boyfriend so that's kind of where her which we can associate with some serious daddy issues too exactly or like the other we could maybe also say this is why she's so emotionally immature in the first like handful of episodes is and sheltered she's she's been an overworked child star yeah and she's so sheltered that she has not uh ever had a boyfriend i mean if if this was real life she would definitely have had some boyfriends you know like People figure out ways. She's way famous. Yeah, people figure out ways. But I think part of what's being emphasized is that she's quote unquote pure. Like she's just like has been waiting for this person as the potentially reincarnated 15 year old of his long lost whatever. And he has also been waiting for her. But Mm -hmm. they are not waiting to do it. They're just (laughs) going to hold hands. And this is some great love, okay? Like, And they basically, like, in that kind of destiny Christian way, it's like they will just hold hands. It's not because they're looking to hump, but they are basically bound to each other in this way. So, you know, spoiler alert, he's got to go back. You know, he's got to go back to his home country it's a whole country. I don't know why I say country. That's funny. Planet. Um, <laughs> well, because you know this is actually an immigration story. This it is, is an immigration story. I mean, at this point, like, it's like, does he's he He's about have to be deported. Yeah. He's about to be deported. Well, but, like, you know, it's like, how, what, what's the metaphor here? Like, does he have to go back because if, he, if he's not being deported, like, it's just, the, like, assimilation's impossible for him there. Or, like, you know, um... Well, and what happens to him to return to his home planet after 400 years, even though time, this is like such a brain twist, time works differently on his planet than it does on this dumpster planet, because like, you know, his planet clearly is superior in so many ways, because everyone, like, he makes a comment about how everyone looks like really fucking banging you know like everyone looks super good and no one ages or at least they age like so slowly that people just look really beautiful for a super long time which is totally an asian fantasy (laughs) but also like but he's been on earth you know he's been on earth living witnessing like absorbing time in like earth time you know and so it's like 
it's just like a flowers for Algernon kind of thing where he goes back to his planet and he's like, I've seen all kinds of change. I've seen all kinds of things that are different. Is he able to even assimilate like back to the ways and like the mental sort of space in which his home planet kind of exists? Okay. So two really important things in order to kind of um, just sort of make the point clear that this alien is from a superior place where they do not age. They actually casted a guy who was younger than the the lead female actress, which 10 years ago would have, would have been pretty rare, but yeah, he's like, he's actually like, I think he was like five years younger. Like he was like, not like a small, yeah. Like, I don't think he's like just two years younger. I think he's like an actual, like, and you so th- there's that. So I think that that's really important that this is totally plays into the Asian fantasy of like, what, what would you, what would, what would you put, what would you do? Like, how would you prove your superiority? Like you would just never age physically in particular. <laughs> but secondly, what you're saying is so smart and important because he both, it becomes this crisis where he kind of has to go back where it's kind, it's not really, it's sort of justified that he has to go back because, like, maybe his health or something, like, he gets, like, really Yeah, sick he's, like, dying. He's, like, dying. There's some plants in his house that are connected to his spiritual self, and so they're rotting. There's, like, so something. So he's just dying. He's, he's dying, but honestly, she's going to die, too. So it, it's not really a question that's fully grappled with. It's, like, all of a sudden, he has to go. But you're saying that even there, he may not assimilate. So it's like he's never going to assimilate in South in Seoul, and he's never going to assimilate where he is. Which is actually a, why the alien trope is so interesting because it's always going to be about just never being able to be anywhere, mm-hmm. which is just so much about everything that we think about. Yeah. Well, and it actually is like becomes his permanent state of being Mm -hmm. so the the series sort of caps off with he you know there's like all the stuff leading up to the fact that their love is growing it is becoming more intense they care about each other so much but he still has to go and um and there's a lot of ups and downs about this and he doesn't he doesn't want to leave and you know, because he wants to be with her and he actually is like, maybe I choose just to be with her because we die anyway. And why do, I'd rather use my time to be with her um, than to just like leave her. But ultimately she says, you know, I can't like, I'd rather know that you exist somewhere than for you to die here. And so he does hitch his comet or asteroid back to his planet which we don't know where it is or how far it is just like far um (laughs) it's just like far like she tries to ask him like which star is it and he's like you can't see it (laughs) it's just like whoa okay like which we'll talk about later about how emotionally unavailable men true true human true alien like okay (laughs) so he's like you can't see it don't bother but he goes away and it's like super sad and I don't know how much time passes, but there's like a period of time. She's depressed. Everyone's depressed. She's like, I love him forever. Um, but then he starts to find a way to come back for like short, very short periods of time. Like we're talking like minutes at first and then eventually he can stay for I think a year at a time, but then he just will disappear and go back to his planet again. So he's constantly just going back and forth. Like his entire life is limbo where he lives nowhere effectively um, and belongs to nowhere, I guess until she dies. And then he just, I don't know what happens to him. What happens to this guy? I mean, and that's like, that is just such a perfect way to describe the alien slash immigration slash diaspora connection. Mm -hmm. Right. So this like constant state of limbo, what happens to you? What do you do? Like, who, where, where can you, the question of like, where can you live? Where do you want to live? Not always being connected, but being connected and so forth. So. 
Well, and also I think the value of like the construction of home through our relationships and through people. And if you have then constructed home with this person um, and she will ultimately disappear, you know, it's like, how does he exist? Where does he exist after that? It's really very sad. Exactly. Um, And it's actually incredibly sad when you think about, I mean, we can't think about 400 years. Ugh. <laughs> it's like, this life is long enough. Um, but just to think about like the amount of time and how much time has passed for him being away mm-hmm. from his home planet and how, how much or how little of it kind of still exists within his body somehow. Like exactly. it does still communicate with him in these ways that I think are, um, not really very explicit to us, but just like these things about like the plants, you know, like even after he leaves the plants kind of communicate to his, um, friends slash father figure, uh, you know, that like he's alive and healthy, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, there is some sort of like, still, he has this kind of planetary connection, I guess, exactly. which is true of the diaspora in this way that like, you know, we, we feel things in there's inherited things that we also don't completely understand that exist. I mean, you give up on the idea of home as like a place and you think of it as like people and then, but then things happen to the people. And so, and you know that because that is part of the construction of why the place had to shift for you in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. But with all of that being said, he's very emotionally unavailable. It's crazy how emotionally unavailable he is. And I mean, I guess, you know, you're 400 years old and you're just you're just like, I can't, I just can't get too close to people because they're going to start to notice that I don't have any wrinkles. I look great. You know? <laughs> And it's like, my skin is too good to be human. <laughs> like, we're talking really nice skin, you guys. Like, okay. he looks really good. But also, just pointing out a consistency, there have been no emotionally available men. That's what Kim is saying. From the human side to the alien side, something in the rain. Yeah. To one spring night. Yeah. to crash landing on you to complete inability to communicate yeah. any of their emotions they're just <laughs> like they have great skin they stand still <laughs> they apparently sometimes communicate with their eyes we don't really actually you know it's so weird that the purity myth can actually exist in this framework because we're basically supposed to believe the love is just physical all like what what is happening like where's the inter like where's the emotional intimacy so if we say we are we're interested in the shows where like the women's interiority is developed which is very true mm-hmm. and the romance is secondary which is also very true but the romance is secondary because there's no romance like yeah. where the, what's the romance yeah it's like a lot of watching these women just like emotionally kind of, you know, produce so much vulnerability, put everything out there and consistently like have breakdowns and all of these things. And then these men just like, can't get it together. They can't express that they care for this person. They can't express that they love this person. They express their love through very, traditional patriarchal kinds of ways you know whether it's through like that kind of infantilizing overprotection or through this idea of like we're being the strong ones in the relationship by just repressing and like retaining our emotions in this Mm -hmm. way it's like i like i'm basically being courageous by just not tell like not communicating Right, right how i feel which i think when we will talk about this actually in Roswell is like a construction about the emotionally unavailable man 
that is like hyper overprotective it's like something that was so common especially in like teen shows when we were um when we were young where it was like developing this kind of you know sort of messed up um hetero understanding of relationships where you're like why are we so attracted to these like hot teen boys who basically just are yeah like are hyper overprotective in a very um like a, like aggressive way you know that we're just like really into this or something and that is like what we should be attracted to somehow well like he's there they are the lead right so it's like yes yeah. we could develop as teen girls we could have developed crushes on like the fleeting side characters but they are they were like the ones who received the the majority of the screen presence time i mean and yeah. we're saying this because you know spoiler alert when we rewatched Roswell at a moment of darkness <laughs> last year together, we watched all those episodes. We watched all, all and we're not talking about the re- remake, okay, everyone? Like oh, the remake is. I've been sad. watching the remake. It is not good. Wait, I'm, you have? I'm doing it for you, listeners. Oh I'm my doing god! I could not. I had to stop. But we were so mortified. We were like the main character, Max. Is horrible. He's just oh. a whore. He's horrible. He's like unwatchably like irritating. Well, and like a lot of these men are horrible. They are. You know, even when, even when they are, the like you know these portraits of these like idealized male leads, these idealized romantic partners for these women. Um, they're like when you dissect it, you're like, this is just so obnoxious like you just especially in this show i feel like over and over again i would just get so annoyed at how little he would give her Mm -hmm. how little he would like and you know it was not about because he was like i think they try to frame it as if he is concerned about her well-being and her becoming too invested in him but it actually just like centers him over and over where he's like I just don't want to become invested in her yeah yeah which is then I think brings up how hard even though she is introduced in the first few episodes as a vapid superficial actress the backstory of her and the the layers of interiority that we receive about her is that she's not superficial she is definitely someone who is overworked and mm-hmm. is unsure of her own well she's she's actually considering that she's an actress she feels pretty afraid to express her what she's actually feeling in the context of the people that actually matter like her mother or her brother um, or, or her father, right? So because part of the backstory is that she was the child star who made it, who who basically was the breadwinner of the family, which me- means she's a parentified child, once again. So there's mm-hmm. just like a continuity of parentified children. And then in this context, her mother essentially took advantage of this and became um, a, like an a caricature of like an evil stepmother, which then led to like a rupture in the relationship between her mother and her father. So this, the actress like grew up feeling responsible essentially for this rupture. And because of this, and and because she's still living under the shadow of the exploitation of her mother is negotiating what, is I think love and exploitation and love and violence throughout. And I would say maybe that's a better way to read her hesitation to be involved in any intimate relationship is that the, the, the signifier of love or like the, the kind of love that she grew up with from her mother was exploitation, uh, her like being overworked, um, Mm -hmm of a profession that that where it's not really clear if this is something that she's interested in it's just something that she happens to do versus her father who essentially abandoned her 
say by saying like even though it seems like she kind of feels more empathy for her father her father essentially abandoned her being like what the alien is saying to her like i abandoned you because it's good for you uh because it, it would have been too hard to have someone such a loser like me in your life when it's like come on i mean this is this, this so then this is her childhood and that's what she's working through yeah, I mean, and these are like, like this is the love, your understandings of love, your interpretations of love that you, the only ones that you've experienced, it's neglect or exploitation. You know, it's like either like a fear of abandonment that drives you to either leave people first or just to like, again, not engage in these relationships because if you let them in, there's always the potential for them to leave you. Mm-hmm. Um, and exploitation, like, and her family dynamic is just, you know, it's, it's quite depressing. Her mother is incredibly exploitative, just like loves the fact that she's super famous so that she can get discounts and she can get into spas and basically spends all of her money. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it, it's actually kind of insane how much her, her mother has like spent of her fortune of some kind, although she never has to give up her apartment, which I don't really understand, but, um, but like, you know, and her mother is kind of shameless in that way that just like is, who's very concerned about her status. And that's actually one of the, also one of the reasons I think that the father leaves is because, you know, he doesn't think, Number one, he thinks that he's, like, not of an appropriate class for his, like, ingenue daughter. But I think he also is kind of um, grossed out at the fact that his wife is so interested in that kind of um, class climbing, you know, and, like, is so obsessed with uh, being wealthy in this kind of way and the greed that she has. And I think that he's a little bit, like, ugh. But he's grossed out by that. But instead of simply just divorcing his wife and still remaining a father he just leaves yeah entirely which and she sympathizes at more quite a bit with her father which is i think an entryway into some critique that she must have of her mother but mm-hmm. she's bizarrely patient with her mother and i mean her mother is a very flat character like we don't really see anything else from her other than her obsession with um, luxury goods Mm -hmm. and looking good and class and capitalism and et cetera, et cetera. Um, She makes bad soup. (laughs) Um, But she also is like, she meddles in this really self-serving way, you know, where it, it's like, again, this kind of extreme um, abusive mother figure where you know, the, the, our lead character, she's just like, I don't, you know, she, there's a scandal. She wants to take a step back from work. She wants, you know, do all these things. And her mother, because she sees, you know, the honey pot's about to get dry, that she starts to like go to certain people, starts to make deals, starts to like basically sell off her daughter in order to make sure there's still a revenue stream for her. Yeah. So, which is important to say that Though she is not an orphan, she's essentially supposed to kind of represent another kind of orphan figure of someone who mm-hmm. does not have parents who care for her. Uh, does definitely, well, she literally doesn't have a father who cares for her. And her mother sees her as essentially like a, the proletariat or something like, you know, well, like. Yeah. yeah. And this parallels the 15 year old girl from 200 years ago that she's supposed to maybe be i don't know um, never could I mean, that be a twist yeah turns out she's also an alien um <laughs> but she just ages differently from another planet uh, this the 15 year old girl um has also has kind of shitty parents because like she she was married off and then i think because she becomes a widow um is i can't remember there's some sort of danger for her existence still so then she's basically people want to kill her because um 
the family probably doesn't want her to inherit money or I don't know, there's something like this. But then um, the, I think her mother is like kind of sent in to kill her, Mm -hmm. but can't go through with it ultimately um, because the father was also supposed to kill her. I don't know. It's like either way that 50 year old also had really shitty parents. Yeah. Which is to say that I think that the storyline makes it absolutely clear there is no parent to select. Yes. That, well, the alien has no parent at all. We don't know much about the alien's family life. Yeah. You know, just there, singular on Earth. Who knows what's what's happening? Orphan. Orphan. And that for her, there is nobody to select. We wanted to stress this point in particular because, you know, just to kind of bring it around. <laughs> I think we we were both just talking about how there something that we just appreciate so much about these storylines is that the sort of like proto-feminist Donna Haraway cyborg manifesto call to abandon, to, to leave your father entirely, right? To kind of be this bastard entity as a way to understand um, particularly critiques of capitalism, right? Like that that's like step number one in capitalism is that you have to kind of abandon ship altogether. The thing that you think mm-hmm. sustains you does not sustain you. You have to remove yourself. That first step is so important. And... We're looking at you, white women. (laughs) (laughs) We just need you to stop being loyal to your abusive fathers and just choose orphan. (laughs) And and we mean this literally on a level of plot point, right? Like on a on a level of plot within the in the television in which you are casted as the center, you know. But also, just like otherwise, like AKA the presidency, you know, and, and so forth. So, for instance, for, for instance, amongst amongst others, but like for instance, yeah. So then, yes. So they're both like there. There is no parent to select. Neither of mm-hmm. them really have any parents to select. And and what the romance and the love is supposed to be is po- this potential idealized space removed from the exploitation and the abandonment that both of them know so well from their respective, you know, former homes or former for former family situation. Um, that reminds me that the, um, the, the dude that she also grew up with, um, her, like one of her childhood friends who is still one of her best friends, but he's in love with her. It's a very, there's a lot of one-sided love that happens on this show as well. Um, his family, uh, wealthy, they run the, uh, corporation. Yeah. The corporation that basically manages her career. Many other, uh, famous celebrities, I guess. Um, the his father is you know the president of this corporation and his brother is a serial killer you know um we just can't we just can't watch shows without some sort of murderous element to them because you know as if the alien wasn't enough we just need to also crank it up a notch with a murder plot line um but so his brother's a murderer uh, brothers are always murderers, I guess, <laughs> in these shows. Um, but his father is, like, incredibly, like, not only defends, but is, like, an apologist of his brother's murderous tendencies in this way that, again, like, choosing corporation and choosing, um, like, the kind of financial and economic status of his company over the fact that, like, his son is... A serial killer exactly uh who like actually volunteers at this like animal shelter that euthanizes animals because he likes to be in charge of euthanizing them like it's crazy anyways yeah. so he doesn't have a parent either his yes. parents are also trash so <laughs> which is how it 
it's sort of like that's a subtle explanation as to why he loves this actress so much is because his family is literally um full of serial killers and or or it's like a serial killer and their apologist which you know yeah, like you have to abandon ship, please. Please. I mean, if there's one lesson to be learned from this show, jump ship. Maybe, maybe it's okay to not, you know, just not consider that person family anymore. Yeah, it's all right. You know, chosen family's real too. Cho- chosen family is so real. Um, so, with that being said, we thought that we would touch on a few things. Before we go into, um, before we end this particular episode, and then we'll go into specifics with our next episode, two elements in particular, the nationalist and academic (laughs) propaganda of the show. Kim, do you want to, do you want to take the first one? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I was like, I, I texted you and I was like, okay, so dude's been around for 400 years 400 years it's a long time it's like a really long time he's clearly likes to keep busy he's had multiple jobs you know he was like a doctor he actually what other jobs do you have? he had like a bunch of them he's done a lot he worked at a museum but i don't know they're mostly <laughs> in that range of like the 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 working professional yes he's been a it's working a very, professional you can tell it's like you're very smart. I get it. No one is doing any shit jobs here. Like you're like only like, you know, very, very upper junior or whatever positions, but he does a bunch of jobs. Obviously has accrued a lot of skills. Like I don't understand why, you know, presumably he probably like speaks a billion languages cause he's been around for 400 years and he's mm-hmm. got a lot of time on his hands. He has like a ton of books. He loves to read. Like he's always educating himself. Yada, yada. Um, but he doesn't go anywhere. No. 400 years, dude has lived in the same place in Seoul, like perhaps even the same neighborhood because they make a comment about like the building that he lives in, um, as being one that's like particularly significant from this era, you know? So it's like, you know, like he's potentially lived in the same plot of land (laughs) for like this entire time, which, and he does like at a certain point he talks about, like you see him accruing uh, how he accrues his wealth too. There's like a flashback of, you know, him kind of like with this old timey realtor uh, where he's like this property and he's like, okay, um, I'll buy this. And then it turns out like all these like skyscrapers are there now, blah, blah, blah. He has so much money. He has so much money. He's done so many things. I don't understand. Just stays in Korea the whole time. And not only does he have so much money, he didn't just, he's not like, it's a very merit driven like narrative where Mm -hmm. he literally earned all of his money apparently where, you know, wealth is He also collects art. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And by collect art, I mean, dude, like, is old enough to keep it for a really long time. But, but yeah, like he doesn't use his alien superpower to go back and forth and like rob a bank or two or five or end capitalism. He just like works professional jobs over 400 years. That's yeah, what, what kind of like, what kind of fantasy is that? You know, where I'm like, so you get to do all this kind of stuff and you just want to have a job and like, and just like work Whoa, a right job. Like, but like this is where it goes into academic propaganda, where it's like mm-hmm. you choose, <laughs> you choose to be a professor. <laughs> like you've had a lot of jobs. He actually doesn't even need to have a job. He like doesn't. he has accrued so much wealth, he could just be like all of us, kind of sort of writers. <laughs> you know, he could like kind of put out a book or something sometimes if he needed to pretend, you know, put on the mask of capitalism and say that he like has something to do every day. But he is a professor, which is also kind of crazy. He's a professor and the students don't like him. 
This is what's wild. It's not like he's like a popular professor. He's just like, he's a professor and they're like rolling his eyes at him and like sending text messages and he's annoyed. He's like, are you in love in my class? And they're like, we hate you, dude. I I haven't rewatched the scenes of his lectures, but when I first watched them, I was like, are you allowed to, to teach like this? <laughs> describe love or like you know talk about these sorts of like esoteric things that basically like my life there's a lot of crazy shit going on in my life but I'm gonna talk about it to you and I like couldn't tell I was like I don't even know what class this is like, like is, is this, this biology or is this philosophy yeah because I think one of the lectures he's like breaking down why psychologically or biologically love is like but like it's like a psychological, biological breakdown of why love is a fantasy. And it's like, dude, it just sounds like you need therapy. <laughs> you need so you sound like a 15-year-old boy who needs therapy, okay? Like and I mean, he is. He's totally he's a totally emotionally underdeveloped 400-year-old alien who like pushes the merit argument in capitalism works nine to five jobs as a professor is not even good at it because his students don't even like him and uh, yeah i but like okay here's like another thing that's like i mean i get it it's not real it's not real but <laughs> but like he has been in the same region forever and nobody has noticed <laughs> Like, and then, but suddenly, just before he leaves, suddenly all these things start to unravel and they realize that there's, like, a photo of him and, it, you know, and this guy is like, oh, I remember that doctor. You know, he looks great. It's like, but I guess that's why he chooses these, like, nine-to-five arbitrary jobs, you know, well, that yeah, are... Well, that's a, that's a depressing set statement about how anonymous and invisible you are yes. as a worker in the, in the machine. You're just any worker. You're just any worker. You could be any worker. You could be an alien worker doing. You can be anyone under capitalism. (laughs) That's what this is all that we've learned. You can be anyone under capitalism. You can be anyone under patriarchy. You know, the dating apps definitely taught me that. You could be literally anyone, anybody. You know, Um, capitalism. But he's teaching us. We've all learned that like who knows and like the profession you have maybe doesn't matter sorry to say that out loud but maybe doesn't matter um yeah and then we would we also wanted to say that we get it it's not real they have to live next to each other because it's part of the plot point of the the k-drama is that like they can't live together because they can't have oh god no this is yeah this is a this is a purity narrative. <laughs> so they gotta just be very close neighbors, like next door neighbors, which is basically a mirage for they live together. But you know, but the housing market in Korea must be so so fierce that a wealthy celebrity actress yes. and a four hundred year old alien will With- live. With exponential wealth, <laughs> with so much wealth, we'll both live in apartment condos. Yes, yes, next to each other, like that. One bedroom, one, one bedroom, bedroom apartment condo. I mean, his is at least two stories. He has like a library underneath. It's true. Where he I kind of suspect that he probably bought like two of them or something, and then you're hoping. You know. You're like, I hope. <laughs> I hope for you in the, fa- in, you know, throughout the I 400 mean, years that you have three stories. I, I don't even understand how you get to have that apartment with your secret, like, library closet thing that's like, you know, whatever. Um, and she doesn't have that space. I mean, just like architecturally. I'm like, what? <laughs> but she definitely lives in a one bedroom. That's clear. Yes. He yes. has at least a floor below 
that's full of his art that he's just accrued over the years. All of his his secret 400-year stuff is in there. And by secret, it's just art, books, and his diaries. So we're not (laughs) even, it's not even clear that anyone wants this stuff, you know? Like, (laughs) who knows? I'm like, where are your gold bars? (laughs) But hey, whatever, you know. He really believes in culture. <laughs> wow, he's such a petite bourgeoisie. Like it's really it's really uh really clarifying that argument. <laughs> Good. We apologize and do not apologize for our ride to die humor, everyone. Oh, yeah. that's the disclaimer. Don't write us. <laughs> yeah, that we 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 meant to write um state a disclaimer about this that like we're definitely joking about everything and we're not at the same time. You know, like every this is all a joke and then it's not at the same time. And that it's is, rooted in very real <laughs> material things. Yeah, <laughs> rooted in material things where we know. We're riding and we're dying. Like those are the <laughs> That's two. That's all we can guarantee. <laughs> we're on the boat and we're going to die. Like the two we're things. on that comet. We're heading straight to the planet that no one knows. <laughs> but also, we are excited because the fashion on the show, superb. You know. Could we could say it with a French accent from 10 years ago. She looks great. All her jackets. So it's true. A lot of great jackets. There's some really nice prints. Um, she does have a lot of great shoes. And you know, the, the interesting thing is that because she's an actress, she's supposed to be like ostentatious in a way that the other actresses could not be so we're seeing like lots and lots of short skirts like nothing is really oversized not that i don't love a good oversized you know blazer i love it different era though different Different era era. so things are tight they are short Mm -hmm. and they are cropped in a different way though i guess the crop just has stayed for a decade so What does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) Now that I say it, I'll unpack that in the next episode. Um, But, you know. There's a lot of accoutrement, too. Like, there's a lot of, like, leather pieces. There's a lot of, like, metal kinds of, you know, detailing on things. Her uh, casual homeware is actually really cute. Like, she's got some nice silk pajamas and things like that. Yeah. I love a good silk pajama, as you know. I know. So. <laughs> but um, thank you for listening to us during this episode. And we will um, make sure to... Oh, we will have a follow-up. So this was this is part one. And there will be a part two shortly thereafter. And I actually don't think we said our names at the beginning of the episode. So if you were here with us to the very end, we are signing off. And my name is... And Sung Kim and And I'm Kim Wen. And we will see you in episode seven, part two of My Love from a Different Star. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.